grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from Matthew 28. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Dear friends of Christ, Easter is completely different this year, and, and I have to say I don't like it. Um, I don't like having to come to church and, and not have the fellowship and the, the, that festive feeling of, of the excitement of Christ's resurrection and, and everybody you bump into. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And, and there's just something missing in all of that, that festive fellowship. And gone is a festive singing. And we have our beautiful singers here today, uh, five singers, and, and we appreciate them. But uh, they, can't, they can't drown out the organ and, uh, and so, you know, here we are in the midst of COVID-19, missing all of that. So much has changed, but it can't change our joy. It simply can't change our joy. It can't, COVID-19 can't change the victory of Christ's resurrection from the grave. And we may not be able to sing with the congregation, and you may not be able to feel the, the vibration of the organ pulsing through your body, um, as it plays the Easter hymns and the, the descants, uh, we may not be able to greet each other with, Christ is risen, He's risen indeed, hallelujah. And you may not even be able to feel the joy of Easter. You may be feeling a bit separated as you watch this being live-streamed in your house or on your cell phone device. However, uh, as we deal with COVID-19 and as we deal with this whole uh, whole thing of, uh, that it, of the world, it can't take away our hope. It can't change Easter. Why? Because we have our theme, we have the words of the angels, Christ is risen just as he said. And that's our theme. And that's our hope. You know, hope is what so many people are looking for these days. Um, they're hoping. They're hoping to pay the bills, they're, they're, they're hoping that they don't lose their jobs, they're hoping to be able to feed their children, uh, to pay the rent, um, they're hoping that they have uh, the, their businesses that they own survive. People are hoping that the, though the profits are low and the debts are high, that somehow the economy will hold together. Uh, people are hoping that they don't get sick, people at risk are hoping they don't die. Uh, the government is hoping that that bell curve will flatten out. The medical care community are hoping that, that they don't get overwhelmed with, with sick people and that stay, things stay manageable. There's just a whole lot of hoping going on. But sadly, on this Easter, there are a whole lot of people feeling hopeless. And that's the way the women felt that morning. As they approached the tomb, they were scared. As they approached the tomb, they were uncertain. Now, I want you to remember all the things that they had just seen um, that had taken away their hope because literally they had given up hope. Jesus was dead, and it was a brutal, it was a brutal, painful, ugly thing to witness. It was incredibly bloody. It was unforgettable. And in the shadow of the cross, we can understand how their hearts are broken. We can understand the hopeless feeling. They had placed their desires on a Savior of the world. 
and then watched him die in a way that is unspeakable. Suffering, human suffering. And throughout Lent, uh, if you've been listening to our audio broadcasts of our Mid-Lent services, we've been studying uh, Job and his life. And Job's life is a mirror reflection of our world today because he had gotten to the point of no hope. And if you think about Job, all that he had seen, all that he had witnessed, all that he had had to endure, uh, Job understood. He understood uh, that everything can be taken away from you and life can be reduced to an ash heap. So there he sits in an ash heap, keeping ashes over his head and, and with putrid sores all over his body and, and with broken pieces of pottery uh, scraping the pus off of his sores. All of his children died in a tornado. He had lost uh, all ten children. He had lost all his servants, his crops, his livestock, all his pride. Here was Job, once one of the greatest, most respected men on the earth, reduced to a pitiful, ghastly sight. And he sat in that ash heap and scraped pus from his wounds. No hope. And in that state, God comes to Job. And in the state of hopelessness, God comes to the women at the tomb. And in the state of hopelessness, God comes to you today. He comes to you in the midst of COVID-19. In the midst of all your worries, all your fears, God comes and we hear the words of the angels. Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. And those words of hope reflect the joy that Job had at the end of his book as he, and we just sang the hymn, uh, the hymn that we just sang, I Know That My Redeemer Lives, are the words of Job at the end of his book when he realizes that God is faithful, even in the midst of pain and suffering that God sees us through. And after all that, after dealing with all that tragedy and then seeing God's faithfulness, Job responds, I know that my Redeemer lives. You know what that means? It means that our tragedies don't define us. It means that uh, we aren't insulated from life's struggles. We will struggle, but neither are we intimidated by them. It means that we will suffer, but we will reign. It means that, that, that we will struggle, but we will win. And Job expressed his emotions. What I feared worst has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. And yet, even though his world around him was falling apart, Job expressed hope. At the end of his book, I know that my Redeemer lives. And even though Job was severely assaulted, he's not defeated. You're not defeated this morning. And though he had lost everything on this earth that was valuable to him, everything that was valuable to him, he still possessed his faith. And standing in the promises of God, he possessed God, and he possessed those promises. And he says, I know, I know. He was down but not out. I know my Redeemer lives. I know. There's a lot of things we don't know in life. We we don't know why we have to bury loved ones. We don't know why they get sick and die. 
We don't, we don't know why children that we raise in the church and, and, and gave them devotions, we don't know why they wander away from the faith. We, we don't know why a husband and wife uh, have a difficulty and, and their marriage fails. We don't know why people lose their jobs, why economies struggle. We don't know why parents abandon their children. And we don't know, most of the time, what God is doing. But instead of allowing all these painful events to define our lives, we say boldly with Job, I know. Well, I know what? I know my Redeemer lives. Now notice what he said. It's not your Redeemer, it's not her Redeemer, it's not our Redeemer, it's not their Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer, Job makes it personal. Job makes it very intimate. He makes it very relational. It's my Redeemer. I know my Redeemer. And we say, great, what's a Redeemer? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. In the Old Testament, a Redeemer was somebody from your family. It was called the Kindred Redeemer. And it was a family member in your family who had money to get you out of any pinch that you might get yourself into. And if you were blessed to have a kindred redeemer, what a blessing that was. It was a relative, someone willing to rescue, someone willing to ransom, someone willing to recover and redeem another family member without cost. You see, back in those days, if you got yourself into debt and you could not pay your debt, you would go into a place called debtor's prison and, and, they, and, and you'd, become, you'd be sold into slavery. And you'd be sold into slavery and there'd be no way out. You would be a slave and your family would be a slave until you paid your debt. Until you paid it all back. And so comes a kinsman redeemer. And he pays the debt. And he sets you free. That family member who loves you so deeply. But a Redeemer did more. They would make right every wrong. Let me say that again. A kindred Redeemer would make right every wrong. I know that my Redeemer lives. And this kindred redeemer, this family person, would come and set you, set you, you know, again, understand that what is broken would be mended. What is owed would be paid. What is lost would be found, would be restored. And what is dead would come back to life. <laughs> really? And that's, that's, why, that's why Job is celebrating here. That's why Job sees Jesus as his redeemer. His kindred Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer lives, and after my skin has been destroyed, after I've been buried in the grave, yet in my own flesh will I see God, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Is your heart yearning this morning? Job's was. With great excitement as he talked about his his living Redeemer. Is your heart yearning? It should be. It should be, because you have a Redeemer too, and you are able to say, I know, I know that my Redeemer, my Redeemer lives. His name is Jesus. 
And as your Redeemer, He takes that which is lost in you and He makes you found. He takes that which is broken in you and He fixes it. He takes that which is sinful in you and He washes it. He takes that which is dead in you and He makes it alive. And how can He do that? How does that happen? How do you know it's true? Because you are a member of God's family through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ who adopted you and made you members of God's kingdom. And as members of His family, you have a kinsman redeemer who loves you, who set you free. And His blood is powerful enough to pay you, to, to free you from the payment of that debt of sin that you owe to God. To set you free so that you're not a slave to sin, a slave to, to sickness, a slave to suffering, a slave to death, a slave to hell for all eternity. You, you have a Redeemer. And He set you free. And yes, that's why we say, and that's why we sing, I know that my Redeemer lives. What comfort this sweet sentence gives. We shout it, and we sing it, and we proclaim it, and we celebrate it. Death is dead. Satan is defeated. The grave is conquered. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. And all of that, we know it. We know it, and we celebrate it, and that free gift of ours, is that eternal life is ours, completely and entirely, right now and forever. On this glorious Easter morning then, with all the music and the special worship services that are plastering the internet and, and, uh, and being streamed live, with all the chocolate bunnies and the Easter egg hunts that you're having at your homes with COVID, in the midst of COVID-19, with all of that, with all the hopelessness in the world, we revel in the words of the angels. Christ is not here, He is risen, just as He said. You know, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus and you don't know his promises and you don't know his death and you don't know his resurrection, then a terrible fear will come upon you in the day of when death comes knocking at your door. A terrible fear that, that can't be resolved because there's no cure. It'll be, not only will your death be a physical death, it will be an eternal death. And the Roman soldiers knew that fear, who were, who were guarding the tomb of Jesus' grave. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going into the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. See, he was probably a seraphim angel. Seraph, the seraphim angels, angels are fiery beings. They're fiery angels of judgment and message. They're terrifying. And here he was this angel like lightning. His clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became as dead men, and then they fled. And the message of the angels, but Christ is risen just as he said, meant nothing and brought no comfort to the soldiers. In fact, it was just the opposite. They abandoned their post. They were so terrified, they abandoned their post. You know what happened if you're a Roman soldier and you abandon your post? You know what the punishment is? It's severe. 
The Roman army would kill you. And so here we have two men abandoning their posts, losing their lives. Are you scared like that? Are you hopeless like that? Are you scared of life like that? Are you scared of dying like that? Or by faith does a message of the angels offer you a hope so that you can sing, I know my Redeemer lives. A retired Lutheran pastor came back from a doctor with a report that he only had six weeks left to live. He wrote an article about it. And in the article, he he shared how he tried to read the Bible, how he tried to get his heart to be where his head was. In his head, he knew that he was saved. In his head, in his head he knew everything would be all right, but his heart just kept feeling one thing. And, and no matter how hard he tried to stand strong in the promises of God, all his heart could feel is six weeks left. Six weeks left. And then he remembered, he, I have a Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer lives. And he remembered the words of walking through the shadow of the valley of death in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And those comforting promises helped him to face the reality of death with the victory of faith. And he faced the reality of death with the power of the empty tomb. And he faced the reality of death with the message of the angels. Christ is not here. He is risen just as he said. And he said, then I threw back my shoulders and I just started to laugh with an overflowing sense of joy. And I just said out loud, I, I have, I have, Christ is risen. All I have is six more, six more weeks left to live. For he knew he had an eternal life to live. The angel told the women who came to the tomb without hope. Who are you looking for? Jesus said. And the angel said, do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He's not here. He is risen. And then suddenly Jesus meets them and he says, greetings. And they came to him and they clasped his, his feet and they, and they worshipped him. The women who had no hope had hope. Job, who had no hope, had hope. The dying pastor, who had no hope, had hope. And you, when you have no hope, are filled with hope. Why? Because you know. You know what? You know that your Redeemer lives. You have a kinsman redeemer what a blessing and he makes all your wrongs right and how do you know well you have the message of the angels christ is risen and then we have the hope that paul records in Paul's uh, theology of the resurrection in, in the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. We will not all sleep. That's the euphemism for death. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised 
imperishable, and we will be changed. And it's all real because Christ is risen from the dead. And that's why we sing. He lives all glory to his name. He lives my Jesus still the same. Oh, the sweet joy this sentence gives. I know that my Redeemer lives. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.